Autism Dialogue. Hi, uh, um, yeah, this is a recording of um, a presentation I gave at the second systemic practice and autism conference at the University of Bedfordshire in Luton on the 5th of July 2019. Um, there's slides uh, that go with it. And if you go to autismdialogue.org and click on the blog page and on that date, well, roughly around that date, you'll see this. There's also a video there um, which I put together uh, embedded on that page. So you may you may prefer to use that. Um, but however, this is uh, the uh, podcast going out. Um, over the air to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other platforms that Anchor FM kindly um, distribute to. So, um, yeah, I'm not saying anything about this presentation, but uh, do enjoy it. And uh, it's a fill-off for now because I've got a list of people I really want to interview, um, but just time and resources, um, just not allowing that at the moment. Um, if you do uh, feel like being interviewed on any of these topics, um, neurodiversity, uh, interconnectedness, transpersonalism, coaching, dialogue, anything along those lines, we'd be more than happy to to hear from you. Just just drop me an email, Jonathan at flowdialogue.org or um, by the website flowdialogue.org or autismdialogue. Dog. Thanks. Enjoy my presentation. Bye. Okay, thank you for coming. days. 13 years old. Um, a little bit about me, some context to Autism Dialogue. After family, our second ex ex systemic experience is usually school. I was one of the brightest but one of the naughtiest pupils as I sought to align my sensory needs and seek thrills that would match my inner fire in my early clashes between self and, well, beat the system the way it went often. My small number of odd associates and I fully embraced difference and celebrated it at every moment. And we didn't like most of what we saw in other people and the world they'd made. We called them normals, but I didn't think my friends were different enough either. I usually, sorry, a narrow-minded sports teacher on a school report once described me as basically a lazy person, but I was repeatedly at the very top of the year in English, so I don't know what was going on in their system. I learned to desensitise and to mask, but the price was high. I paid it in part through employing various practices, psychedelics in my teens, then years of intense spiritual discipline, uh, meditation, yoga and qigong, um, which the, uh, the latter has helped me a lot. And I've recently been hearing about vagal toning from, from Holly Bridges in, in Australia, who works with autistic people and the uh, poly, uh, vagal nerves from Stephen Porges. 
um, feelings of exclusion and, and uh, subconscious death ideation in my 20s um, some were summed up in this piece of art in my Art and Design Foundation, um, which is a bit shocking for some of the other younger students. Many years later, in 2014, still struggling for answers and a value to my life, I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome and ADHD. I think autism is a magnified version of the wide problems in our communities and societies. I've always been intrigued by truth and justice and communication in nurturing environments and the deep sense of unity to be found in certain company and communities. After 20 years practicing a strict esoteric system called Sufism, I finally made it back to Sheffield to Hallam Uni to do a fine art degree because the Sufi personality scaffolding had dissolved and apart from needing to stay occupied for three years, I wanted to see what was making society tick. In the middle of this, I ran an experimental music events and label outfit, turned the cellar into a noise lab and regularly filled it with oddballs and made lots of noise. And while I got divorced after 18 years with five beautiful children in a deteriorating Sufi marriage, Whilst at uni, I threaded black cotton through the town centre, thinking about lines and boundaries that define and divide us, to inevitably result in interactions with people, one way or another. Other interventions included introducing myself to random strangers. What a strange term that is, random stranger. Art gave me permission to do these things. In my final year, I was introduced to Bohm Dialogue, and this turned out to be the pivotal and most enjoyable moment in the whole three-year course as a way to interrogate thinking around creativity. I wanted tools and I learned I already had them in the form of thought and language. It became clear to me soon after I got my diagnosis in 2014 that dialogue could address the fragmentation and crisis in not just the autism community but everywhere. My artwork now incorporates decades of thinking about communication and love lettering Harkening back to my early memories when, to my surprise, more observant elders would tell me how beautiful my handwriting was, I now favour black ink as a medium and explore in symbols the boundaries of thought and language and sensory experience. This one's called The Voice of the Crowd. In 2017, I founded Autism Dialogue, a partnership with Professor Liz Milne, Director of Sheffield Autism Research Lab. The initial dialogue session was part of Liz's British Academy public engagement project. I'd realised that autism is an ideal focus for dialogue because of perceived growing disparity between viewpoints about it. Mad idea, get everyone together. We sensed it could be highly beneficial for professional cohesion and has a potential to make a positive difference in the way that autism is understood by all. Quantum physicist David Bohm and if you, uh, if you don't know much about quantum science, it's absolutely fascinating area to, to read a bit into. Um, Bohm argued that our language and behaviour is far too object-oriented and noun-based, and this is making us see a world of static objects instead of dynamic processes, leading to fragmentation of consciousness and underdeveloped systems. In Thought as a System, he rejects the notion that our thinking processes neutrally report on what is out there in an objective world. He explores the manner in which thought actively participates in forming our perceptions, our sense of meaning and our daily actions. He suggests that collective thought and knowledge have become so automated that we are in, large, in a large part controlled by them 
with a subsequent loss of authenticity, freedom and order. Whether in autism dialogue we set out to mediate a perceived conflict across cultures is a good question. I would say yes. The reason to engage in dialogue is a practical matter and depends on the participants. Ours have included people from a wide range of backgrounds, autistic and not. Ultimately, dialogue creates shared meaning, values and a sense of community that supports joint action and the creation of culture. Martin Buber discussed the ontology of the dialogical, e.g. the reality and nature of dialogue is systemic in the systems thinking sense of the word. Human systems within dialogue develop and create something new out of what the participating individual values and ideas and knowledge they bring with them. In dialogue, participants set aside the belief that thoughts or ideas can only be communicated from an individual to others or that rules and forces external to these two individuals determine what is spoken. The space between participants, thought and language can be characterised as a form of common reason where multiple voices create and work on single ideas. Our ancestors developed thought and language to communicate and refer to the very specific pieces of the universe that they could detect around them. When we lose authenticity and openness to the fact that everything is ultimately part of the whole, part of a reality that's far larger than our own story, but from which meaningful life draws its sustenance, things can and do go very wrong. This quote was written in 92, long before the internet. So this is what Bohm means, fragmentation from the origin, and the result is a perpetual, perpetual fragmentations that eventually show up in how we relate to the world and one another, all carried through thought and language, through language. And the nub of the problem is, of course, that thought does not know that it's doing this. Dialogues made from the Greek words dia, meaning across or between, and legin, meaning to speak. Bohm tried to develop an experimental approach to language, a new mode, of using existing languages, which he called the Rio mode, from the Greek Rio to flow. This approach was based upon his thesis that it might be possible for the syntax and grammatical form of language to be changed to give a basic role to the verb rather than the noun. He argued that our language is far too object-oriented or noun-based and that it's making us see a world of static objects instead of dynamic processes. Interestingly, Canadian autistic artist and researcher Erin Manning describes autistic perception as the direct perception of the forming of experience. Olga Bogdashina writes on gestalt and autistic perception. Of course, for some autistic people, this neurology produces frightening, immobilizing and disabling experiences. Manning stated language and dialogue can be more exciting and full in potential when seen holistically in a multi-dimensional, dynamic and context-dependent process of creating meaning. For example, we may explore the word diagnosis. What does that bring to mind instantly? <coughs> you take, take the two words apart and you have dia, as I've said, means through, and gnosis is knowledge. 
why is it a medical owned by you know owned predominantly by by a medical paradigm? One of my main concerns, I believe. Sorry, yeah. One of my main concerns is that I believe dialogue can address is the fundamental question of autism and the nature of self. The word autism comes from the Greek autism, meaning self. Autism raises many fundamental questions around the nature of self, identity, and existence, society, wholeness, philosophy, health, and medicine. Is it selfism that has become an epidemic? We think that we practice autism awareness in dialogue. Can you talk about awareness? What exactly is it? Is it, is it awareness week, day, month, year? Basically, just, just for affirmation of this, dialogue is not any of these, but it may contain elements of them. And so, to the practice of autism dialogue, this is a photo from the autism dialogue at the uh, International Academy of Professional Dialogue last year. Um, and they're publishing a book to include a paper and I'll be there again this October new, new members are welcome even with minimum experience in dialogue and the three day conference last year was very stimulating and engaging lots of workshops, lots of people from all over the world so from within our temporary unique human system using a set of easily learned tools we may safely and with immediacy address problems associated with autistic perception deficit based perspectives notions of power and the double empathy problem in Sheffield we've seen a health service commissioner sit in the same space on equal terms as a service user and a parent of autistic adults sharing openly with a range of autistic people, practitioners and peers here are the four dialogic principles mainly Bohm uh, established these with colleagues authenticity listening, respect and suspension simple or method in dialogue anonymity and confidentiality always applies we sit in a circle, we check in we usually have two conveners and we all aim to facilitate I've, I've brought in this, this um, a little mindfulness practice at the beginning, sl slowing the mind and feeling safe together. We remember the four principles. We generate a question and inquiry together. We explore the question in turn. Usually it's, it's um, you know, popcorn based, but um, yeah. We may repeat the last two steps during the session. So that's generating a question and exploring it again. Um, a session can last anywhere from three hours to a full day. Sometimes the task of looking for the question together is enough for the inquiry. In facilitating, I'll usually be, sorry I've said about the mindfulness bit. In autism dialogue, no one's obliged to speak and we also value silent recovery. We avoid placing undue attention on attenders and autistic people should be supported to use non-normative modes of communication. So in the conference last year we had some uh, breakout dialogues and uh, one, one man had two assistants with him and he had a machine, I don't know anything about it but he used it to type and it would say or it would, it would be um, speak through his assistant. Um, 
it's in our willingness to be present for ourselves and each other that the real depth and potential of dialogue reveals itself and we sometimes have a bit of social time in the pub afterwards which supports reintegration Hudson dialogue is an evolving and generative process revealing some deep and sensitive issues not in the least that the dominant motivating force in autistic adults appears to be a fight against many forms of authority and a predominantly disabling society, the social model, often seem to be driven by neoliberal or ableist agendas embedded deep within complex systems and our own thinking. In this respect, whilst autism is a powerful identity construct, activism can get highly charged and alienating. As you know, the autism discussion is fueled by need for justice, decades of frustration, discrimination and cruelty, controversial practices and an increasing rhetoric of clinical cures, high suicide rates and notions of eugenics. I explored all this in my uh, PG autism last year and I was going to be an MA but I, I had had enough of, of the terror of it all so I had to pull back for my own safety and now I'm doing a, a Masters in Coaching and I feel very happy doing that too. Um, another issue arising in autism dialogue is blanket advocacy where we may find ourselves speaking for all autistic people from our own experience of the autistic system this is checked by ownership of what you're saying using I there's a distinct difference between the ideologies of autism and autistic individuality as most people in the dialogue sense and work towards a collective understanding fractures arising at this point reveals how autism presents differently in each person at different moments have sometimes found this paradoxical aspect uncomfortable as we try constructively in self-reflection to explore our unique similarities together. After two years we've evolved and when we're in dialogue we operate as a unit, almost like a single thought field wondering about itself. It's a bit sci-fi that, I'm not sure. <laughs> we might experience this subjectively and objectively at the same time. Last month the topic started was mostly around labels, producing a deep inquiry that lasted for the whole three hours. As you know, an autistic individual will experience a relatively more intense social disconnection at times. The dialogic practice of suspension has been the most rigorous in this regard, psychologically. There may be sudden tears at a moment of stress release and or personal insight, responded to by others present as care and the held space deepens. It's a very live and personal experience inside a highly charged microcosm of society with the additional aspects of the safe container. This is public dialogue at the edges of meaning. It's risky work and requires very careful handling. Safeguarding is being constantly reviewed. In our dialogues last year, we addressed a common systemic issue um, that involving autistic and non-autistic people. We thought about it and wrangled with it together and then the non-autistic people went away and we ran three sessions with just autistic people then came back together for a final three-hour session. By assembling our own micro-society, our human, temporary human system, dismantling it and reassembling it, we were able to interrogate and reconstitute the systemic boundaries, exploring where the power lies and the responsibilities that come with it. As one of my professors, Nick Hodge, stated, Rights are only activated if the dominant group recognises first the humanity of those made marginal and then acknowledges its corresponding duties to protect these rights. Unquote. Excuse me. As I've indicated, the systemic issues are highly complex. 
but as participants from a wide range of backgrounds, we've grown, sharing deep feelings of self-acceptance, alignment, pride, and gratitude for ourselves, each other, and the space. But these can be checked by others who feel excluded by language or felt that deeper levels of meaning were missed. Personal emotions can run high as autistic social challenges increase, for example, of knowing exactly when to speak, what is the new politically correct version of something, or wondering what one said was of value to others or not. It's an experimental space of care and generosity, above all, of compassion and benevolence. I love and hate this work because it can be risky free thinking on the edges of meaning, which can question the very label that I'm often supported by owning myself. Just wanted to take in this from the from the DSM five as a um, diagnosing autism. In diagnosing autism, symptoms must be present in early de developmental period, but may not become fully manifest until social demands exceed limited cap capacities or may be masked by learning strategies later in life. That's a really interesting thing to consider about systemic stress. Dialogic parenting is clearly an area where autism research could focus and family systems therapy, which I've only been introduced to in the last few months, I suppose can already talk to that relational importance in the family system. Interested to, to learn more about that. Comorbid learning disabilities, e.g. understanding the four principles as simple as they are. Um, must, there must be opportunities internally within large organisations for autism and other dialogues as an interface between researchers, staff, service users and wider support networks. An organisation with sound values and a strong accountability structure can adapt to and welcomes new challenges. Perhaps we can together help organisations and society to become, to become more sorry, to become more open and see more of the positive environmental impacts autism and autistic individuals bring. Professional standards under development by the academy, um, they need to be in place and early partnering with healthcare uh, care organisations will support this, provided there's no perceived threat to medical progress and they can be flexible enough to listen to the autistic community who in turn can work with the concept of therapeutic intervention. Research to study the efficacy and effectiveness of dialogue, likely demonstrating that it can lead directly to improved well-being for autistic adults, that's the children as well of course, for example via enabling reduction in anxiety and increases in empowerment and confidence. That means quality of life. Well, there's a, a specific autism um, QOL um, questionnaire developed by Newcastle Uni, um, which has got they've got they've got um, you know, some relationship with the World Health Organization to do that, and that's that was just released last year. Autism dialogue could relieve pressure from private and public healthcare services. It can be used alongside organisational development at the interface between, I'm sure I've just said this paragraph somewhere, 
frontline off frontline offering uh, GP services and pre-diagnostic support. So in Sheffield, the typical city, um, the waiting list for for diagnosis is two years. So relieving pressure on healthcare services would be an advantage. Perhaps we can begin to help society be more open and celebrate more of the positive aspects of what autism and all autistic individuals bring. National spending priorities should be placed on applied research to help people living with neurological differences instead of on basic genetic, biological, medical research. More autistic people are becoming involved in research and good practice will forever be changing. Making use of dialogue in conjunction with integrated practice-based research could support more realistic goals. Just coming to the end now. Um, dialogue allows multiple stakeholders' perspectives to exist, coexist in the same space of inquiry and understanding, slowing down normative modes of interaction into more of an evolving unified flow. New knowledge is generated and without cause for power, politic or agenda, ripples back systemically. Personal balance is restored and associated anxiety reduced, thus allowing autistic well-being to improve. We've got a lot of feedback now starting to show the effects on participants' lives. I believe there should be more spaces in society to enable its own interrogation and of our assumptions of humanness and normalcy, culture and notions of identity. Going forward, there's a lot of work to be done. Organisations require evidence, resources and substantial commitment and support. Training, training has to be in place and, and supervision for new and established facilitators. Building trust or seeking social parity in a medically dominated environment will be a huge task. Many autistic people also often have great vision, and I, I think I alluded to this earlier, and in my experience much compassion and of course a deeply genuine need for systems to work and better universal understanding and knowledge is crucial. After nearly two years with our first real partnership with Healthwatch in Sheffield, wanting to make use of the power of dialogue to explore the local autism services, I did have another slide. Oh no, I'll put it on this button of this one. I really like this quote. We need more help to continue and I invite you to get in touch for discussions, ideas, with your ideas and suggestions and invitations for talks and dialogue programmes. Um, I'm self-funded. Uh, I've just formed a limited company. Um, we rely on donations to hire the, a big room in the Quaker Centre in Sheffield. So, we've got 30 minutes, and that's uh, over to you now. Now, there's no obligation to sit in a dialogue, and there's no obligation to participate, and the door is there. But I would like to invite you to get your chairs into a circle. Try and leave a little bit of space in between each chair so you feel comfortable and not closed in.